0: three, four. Me and my friends do sinister things and that's because we're cynical beings and we're living in a house and we're chilling upstairs and we're doing a podcast. Impaired.
1: How's it going listeners? Welcome back to Impaired Upstairs. This is our third episode with uh, Brady Cody and Ryan and today we have a we have a very special guest with us really exciting to to have this particular gentleman on our podcast if you'd like to introduce yourself
2: yeah uh, my name is Griffin um, I was wandering by on the street and they put me in this house upstairs <laughs> and they gave me a beer so here we are
1: <laughs> yes free beers are always nice we ID'd them first don't worry
2: <laughs> yes
1: we did it's kind of like it's kind of like we're like the gas station where they just kind of they just kind of glance at it and it's like, oh well you got facial hair, you're good
3: right yeah, exactly yeah.
2: exactly. I Look, take it as a compliment nowadays, so
4: right, yeah, yeah, definitely you you don't well, I don't know, i think if ryan was a was a bouncer he would have he definitely would have carded you
1: oh i would make one hell of a bouncer all my <laughs> all my hundred forty five pounds,
4: mm-hmm. oh wow, we match
1: really, yeah, huh anyway. interesting, fascinating. Uh, anyway, anyway, so yeah, we're we're episode three, and um, I do have some questions for our guest, and we all have some questions to ask each other. Um, first of all, how are all you guys doing tonight? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Are you speaking for everyone, Cody? How are you doing? Good. Yeah. Good. Good. All's well. Griffin, how scale of one to ten?
2: Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm about a seven point five, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm feeling good. It's nice. Uh, off of work for tomorrow, so get to relax. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Good.
1: Perfect. How 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 is work going? So um for for our viewers here, um our relation with 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 Mr. Mr. Griffin here, Griffski's, Gryffendor, Okay. Is that um I'm sh- <laughs> I'm sure you've heard them all. <laughs> yeah,
4: we're going to have to get into that.
1: We'll get into the we'll get into the Griffin nicknames if, if Griffin is if if Griffin is cool with that. Um Griffin and I worked together very briefly. Um the the job, the steel, chainsaw, power equipment dealership that I kind of no longer work at um griffin has been taking my place rather nicely um he seems like he's doing a really really sweet job there um what do you feel about that environment griffin isn't the power equipment industry a little bit interesting it's kind of not like nothing else
2: yeah it's um it is definitely very unique um i mean i have experience using a lot of that equipment um, because of some of my previous jobs but uh being on the other end of it is definitely an experience um it's my first retail job as well, so that's been uh, taking That's taken some adjustment. Um, you definitely get all sorts of people into the store. So,
1: all sorts of people you get with with a power equipment. You get everyone. There's no. There's you know. Mm-hmm. Th- there's no discrimination. You know, you get every kind of person, every level of wealth. You know, some people don't have any money to spend. Some people want to buy out the whole store to put in their garage. Yeah,
2: they'll drop two grand without blinking an eye.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, especially in Squim, because you know there's a you know, there's, you know, your average person and there's sometimes a lot of money floating around with certain people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely a very peculiar customer service and retail environment. Do you have any possible stories, anything that happened recently? Oh, I got
2: some good ones. I don't know if they're appropriate for the podcast. Well,
4: Um, maybe we'll hit that a little bit later, a little bit later, second half of the podcast. (laughs)
2: I'll give you the cliff notes version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had (laughs) all the time we get people in here that say they, they need a chain for their chainsaw they just say give me a chain say okay oh, i have yeah. no idea what you what you need there's and how many
1: ch- how many chain rolls are there under that shelf
2: oh gosh probably three dozen at least mm-hmm. yeah so next time somebody asks me that i'm just gonna point at the wall of chains and say here pick one out uh, <laughs> you pick one at random you'll have just as much luck as as me uh, as picking <laughs> right. one for you so Knock that, yourself was, out.
0: that was a great part of that job that yeah. never that never got old one yep. time, I I walked into the still shop while Ryan was working there because he had told me about that previously. I said, <laughs> "Hey, uh, could I could I get a a chain for my for my chainsaw?" Oh, pretty good. And Ryan, you
4: know. what was your
1: reaction to that? Well, I I don't know. I probably threw something at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pro- probably called me an idiot or. I think know. that was during the process of us building your your uh, saw that we built for you. Yep, which, the 036? Yeah, it turned out really sweet. Yeah. We won't go into we go won't go too deep into the nerdy, nerdy details about building that particular chainsaw, but it turned out sweet.
2: Yep. Yeah. Ryan, I want you to know I put a rope together today. And very I only nice. It Did up you remember twice. to put the washer
1: underneath the spring?
2: The washer is in there. Good. Yeah.
1: That's an important part. We're good. All right. I
4: need uh, an explanation as a not chainsaw, not power equipment guy. So what does that mean? Oh, uh,
2: it's very boring. Just to pull rope to start it.
1: Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It wraps around like a little plastic piece, and I was. Given Griffin crap because one time uh, he was there and when we were kind of going through some stuff. I was in my, I was, I came back there for a, a few days part time and I was helping mm. everyone out and uh, just just showing the, showing what I knew and um, Griffin did a, just a spectacular job on this pole. He cut the rope just right, perfect length in millimeters. He burned the ends and tied them very nicely, but mm. the the washer, there's oh, a, no, <laughs> God can't forget the washer.
2: Yep, and you got to take the spring clip off and re-oil the whole thing and all that. Oh, that's oh, okay.
1: Of course. It's okay. It's all part of the fun. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So anyway, topics that more people are interested in. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, we can
1: only go so deep on that before everyone's, like, eyes glaze over.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: Any more stories from
2: retail? Yeah, I had another guy come in um, with a chainsaw from a brand I've never even heard of. Oh, dear. Um. And he says, hey, can you work on this for me? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's, it's a steel shop. It says steel on every surface in the entire store. The whole store is orange. It does not say Inga's Swedish Antiques, so I don't really know (laughs) what you want me to do here for you. It's just like, I don't know someone acts like you're the jerk when they don't even know what town they're in
4: oh no did he give you oh. attitude too
2: oh yeah oh uh, no he said oh just look it up on the internet it was easy to find i'm saying well why, why didn't you write it down then yeah what <laughs> or, do you expect me to do do it yourself right no. ouch
1: griffin's getting broken right into the industry <laughs> oh my
2: gosh <laughs> and how long have you been working there uh only about two months okay, okay yeah there's gotcha. a lot to learn but it's going well
4: Right on. Yeah, Doing
1: man. really good, really, really, really Thank good.
4: Thank you. So, have you been in the Port Angeles squim area a while, or is this no?
2: I uh, about three months. I moved up here. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I was living in Tucson, Arizona, beforehand. Gotcha. Um, so my wife's family lives in this area, um, and so we came up here to be with them. And we were attracted to squim because it's a little drier, and I'm mm-hmm. used to the very arid regions of the Southwest. So right, yeah, yeah.
4: Squim is, I think, uh, squim's considered. A th- If not a
1: desert, it's pretty close to a desert. Yeah, Yeah, really. They
2: get under 20 inches of rain a year, which is quite low.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it does rain considerably less than Port Angeles.
4: Yeah, they're right in the Squim rain shadow. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, because of the way the clouds have to move over the mountains and down the mountains and whatnot, uh, Squim is has kind of an absence of rain compared to the surrounding areas. So,
3: yep. yeah. It's uh, very
2: popular with retirees because it's so dry and sunny. Right. right.
3: Yeah. We did
0: get some uh, snow last night, though. Yeah, we did.
4: Yeah, but... Uh, did squim get a lot? I
1: heard my
4: da- just a dusting. Yeah, 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 gotcha. By the time my dad rolled through there, it was
1: pretty bone dry. So, how is it where, where you're? Because you're you're at a bit of a higher elevation at, at your place, Griffin. Yeah, just a touch.
2: Okay, um, yeah. I don't know the exact elevation. Gotcha. Yeah, um, we
1: got you know up a. We're about a thousand feet. We got like an inch of snow.
2: Yeah, probably less than that. Maybe a half an inch, and it all melted over the course of the day. So
1: yeah, pretty much. I we're
4: think we're the supposed
2: only... to get hammered here pretty soon, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Supposed to be a cold week. Oh, we're talking about the weather, isn't it? <laughs> oh, okay. Man, yeah, I was thinking.
2: Yep. Uh, just Snow. finishing up this beer here, and yeah. then. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, this is uh quite excellent.
0: Yeah. So we have top cutters back with us today, mm-hmm. uh, by Bail Breaker. Bail Breaker. In, um, they are located in. They're located in Yakima, Washington. Yeah. Sponsor us. Yeah, please. That'd be nice. Uh, My
2: PayPal is uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: really, really refreshing, Jink. Um, for for anyone that likes an IPA out there, uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it's not one of the most aggressive
4: IPAs either. So if it's like you know, if you're not super into IPAs, you might still give it a try because it's pretty good. No, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's
2: pretty quite well balanced. Pretty yeah. mild. Yeah, yeah it's. Pretty close to just a standard pale ale, honestly.
1: Y'all are just a bunch of
2: hipsters.
1: (laughs) Well, you know. We talked about that, and we we came to a mutual agreement. It's a target audience, Ryan. Come on. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Not going to argue with that. So you're you're from Tucson, Mm -hmm. but you you have been up to Washington before that. Yeah, that's correct. So tell us about that.
2: Um, So I moved up here way back in 2010, right after I graduated high school. Um, Went to Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington um where i majored in ecology and organic agriculture so um strange mix of hippie and hick kind of mashed together yeah very nice
4: yeah so what brought you up to evergreen because you know it's it's a pretty small pretty small college yeah. It's, yeah what's the what's the story
2: undergrad is about 5000 i think or yeah. at least it was when i was going there gotcha. um well i went to pretty non traditional schools uh, during elementary and high school gotcha okay so uh, um, we've had a number of people from my high school come to Evergreen, ah, um, so they actively send people down there to recruit That you know, makes because sense. the teaching philosophy is kind of similar. I see. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so there's actually quite a bit of exchange between Tucson and Western Washington. I was surprised. Interesting. Huh. I met lots of people from Tucson when I was there. Wow, yeah.
4: fascinating. Yeah, so Evergreen doesn't have like a traditional A, B, C grade structure, right? Yeah,
2: Is that's that... correct. They use narrative evaluations, right? Yeah. So you'll your faculty will write a evaluation of your performance throughout the semester, and that'll determine how many credits you earn for that uh, for that quarter, not semester. Excuse me.
4: Yeah, that sounded when I first heard that, I thought that was kind of incredible because that seems like a lot of extra work for the faculty. You know, like.
3: It
2: is, but um, the ratio of faculty to student is much much lower. Gotcha. Right. Um, right. Or rather, the the class sizes are very small, so it's about twenty five students to one faculty. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So it's not as much work as you would think. Sure. Um, the TAs are there to help during labs mostly, but they don't mm. really do any of the grading I or see. anything like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, in a way, it's tougher to use the evaluation system. Sure. Like you can have a letter grade of a B, oh, you did okay. Mm-hmm. But in an evaluation, if you could have similar performance, but your professor will outline exactly where your weaknesses are, ah, which see. can make it difficult for you down the road if you don't apply yourself. Sure. It I seems to be a much more
1: effective way of grading. W- would you agree with that?
2: I agree. I've always thought the letter grade system was a bit arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's just completely lacks nuance and it's right. not really effective at giving someone a picture of your educational history
4: yeah having gone to the university of washington and having like six to seven hundred person classes in some cases uh yeah that's and never even really meeting some of my professors you Mm -hmm. know especially in those massive classes if i passed them today they wouldn't know me from joe blow on the street um so yeah like that's a really interesting perspective that you have versus me um yeah, so I was kind of just, just kind of curious about that. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think the small class sizes are the greatest strength of the system because um, they have really great faculty. Almost sure. all the faculty I interacted with were really, really good. Awesome. Um, and you really get to know them. They can actively help you and engage with any topic that you're struggling with, which currently my wife is doing an online degree in software engineering, and there's no support from the faculty at all. Uh, I just see. Just nothing. You watch a lecture, and then you take a quiz and that's it
4: and wh- uh you don't have to say but uh which school is that through <laughs> not, not uh, to call them out
2: well i'll leave that up to the imagination right, okay. i think it's fairly standard though for most most online schools yeah, yeah. sure sure
4: it, yeah it seems like uh, dealing with covid and all that uh, doing an online school in general would be really difficult and then just not having that face-to-face contact uh, even through Right now, when I'm at work and whatnot, um, a lot of the a lot of the people that I work with aren't uh, on the same campus that I work at. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just not having ever met them in person, it's a little bit of a different it's, it's kind of weird. Um, hopefully I'm going to get uh, over and get to meet some of those people in person soon. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just it's kind of weird only
0: having met people through uh, teams and whatnot. Yeah,
2: yeah it's, it's very difficult. It takes a lot of adjustment.
0: Uh, so did you study any like specific ecosystem in uh, ecology? Or...
2: Um, yeah, well, primarily terrestrial ecology. Um, and okay. being in Olympia, you're in the rainforest there. So right. that was where we did most of our studying. Um, took trips to eastern Washington as well. And then we actually took a two-week-long trip down to Arizona, uh, which was right before winter break, so I just drove home from there. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, we we explored a few different ecosystems. Um, later on, I was looking mostly at soil ecology, um, okay. the different interactions of soil biota, things like that.
0: I see.
4: Wow, that's th- it's incredible how many organisms are in the soil, and like we're walking over it all like almost every day, Some you know. And you don't—it's not something that you really think about, like the number of bacteria and. Uh, how nutrients get put back into the soil and pulled out of the soil. And um, you said you did
0: ag as well. Yeah, so, I took
2: organic farming gotcha. there as well. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that about soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very significant amount of any healthy soil is actually living organic material.
3: Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know.
2: Um, yeah. I took organic ag as a second half of my major. Um, basically, to. Give myself the tools to raise my own food. Um, that's a goal of mine. And then also to potentially be able to uh, start a farm business in the future. Uh, there was business was a pretty large component of the degree as well,
4: yeah, sure. And well, squim squim has a very large agricultural uh, background, I mm-hmm. guess, um like the there's an irrigation festival every year, yeah, um and so that. It it seems like you're kind of you're in the right area as far as like you right. know Squim versus Port Angeles like definitely yeah yeah
2: it's kind of a two sided coin because mm-hmm. on the one hand it's nice to have that agricultural heritage you're kind of on the same page with most everyone you meet as far as that um, but from a market perspective it's very difficult to break into For because right. almost right. every niche is already filled
4: gotcha yeah yeah I I know uh, at least one farm that's doing uh or organic grass fed beef. Mm-hmm. So so you know, they kind of have that niche and especially in this area unless you're uh trying to break outside of this area. Um it's kinda hard to find clientele when that niche is already filled. So I I totally see what you're saying, how that could be kind of a Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um
2: retailers is another hurdle to small farms because sure. Often there's local places, like in Squim, there's local places to Mm -hmm. buy local produce. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of the shelves are taken up by people who got into it 30 years ago. Sure, right. So it's a little tough to break into in that respect as well.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And and it makes sense to them as well because to some degree they're having to take a risk on any well of course any anywhere else so you know you really got to prove yourself to some you stick
2: with the known quantity unless you have a really good reason not to
4: yeah exactly so wow that's really interesting
1: i never noticed that's a great point
2: yeah um finding retailers or restaurant accounts for instance um, is a really big challenge for a small farm you have to Really, really put yourself out there for customer relations to try and find markets for your goods. Because it doesn't matter how much you can produce. It matters how much you can sell. Right.
1: Absolutely. And you're, you're, you're dabbling in the, in the somewhat advertising of what you're doing, right? Don't you have a social media account? I do,
2: yeah. Shameless plug. Let's get it. Griffin Ag and Craft. All one word, all lowercase. G-R-I-F-F-I-N-A-G and Craft.
3: A awesome. A-N-D D
1: or the and symbol? A A-N-D. D. Okay. And is that C-R-E-R-E-F-D. on is that a website or is that's that? That's on Instagram, it, yeah. Instagram. On
4: Instagram,
2: okay. Yep. Awesome. Yep, and there I showcase the farm projects that I'm working on. Uh, not fully up to production level yet because we're also trying to remodel the old house that's on the property. Um, but I also uh, show off some of my woodworking projects that I'm working on.
0: Sweet. Very well, nice. Stuff. What, uh, what kind of eggs do you grow?
2: um we grow the the purple <laughs> eggs <laughs> the purple ones. Yeah, yeah the purple ones that come out of the plants we grow those uh, yep. plants
0: oh oh, oh oh wow
2: fascinating not sure so clever in you, isn't it terrible
1: <laughs> 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 woodworking is a blast though um how long have you been doing that
2: i've been doing it off and on for probably 15 years oh. um started out with just carving things by hand and doing little shop projects um but then just decided to go for bigger and bigger things. Um, about two years ago, I started making live-edge epoxy river tables out of mesquite, which uh, is a wood okay. that grows in Arizona.
1: Gotcha. Which I must say look very spectacular, by the way. I've Thank seen, you. Uh, you sh- you've showcased a little bit of your work, and it's uh, it's, it's very nice. Because um, dealing with that epoxy... Mm-hmm. dealing with the epoxy and getting the live edge to work right can be some kind of it can sometimes be it's kind of. it's very difficult
2: you have to really take it slow um very first table i made i poured all the epoxy at once and on it was like a 90 degree day oh. and so it started smoking and cracking oh which is God. not necessarily wow. what you want
1: right the chemical reaction between the uh the catalyst and the yeah
2: uh... it's an exothermic reaction absolutely. in a very serious uh, way so learn my lesson there
0: sure so, uh, how is the uh, woodworking scene in Arizona compared to here in in Washington?
2: Um, I can't really Washington. speak uh, too much to up here in Washington, but um, <laughs> in Arizona, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Especially Tucson is a very handcraft focused city. Okay. Um, there is something called the Gem Show there every i think it's february so it should be around right now actually um you have vendors selling gems and precious stones from all over the world who meet there every year and then we also have like street fairs and other kinds of artsy swap meet type deals Mm -hmm. um so i mean the way i experienced it you can't swing a dead cat without finding somebody who makes their own type of art yeah Um, (laughs) So it's difficult to. That's another market that's difficult to break into down there. Have you right, ever
1: done much wood turning, Griffin?
2: I have not. No, I don't have a lathe, although I would very much like to have one in the future. Me and Cody,
1: we definitely dabbled in that in uh oh, in man. high school in cabinet making and fun woodworking class with mm. yeah. with Tim Branham.
4: Yeah. If you ever need a lathe, I think Cody has one somewhere. So you know, <laughs> we could work that in somewhere. Well, he well, uses it once a year. Come on. Yeah. yeah. We got to treat our guests right, though. You know. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I haven't gotten to uh, make the legs of the tables yet; just the just the tops.
4: Ah, ten four. Yeah. Um. So I have a question. How far from? How far? What's the distance between Tucson and uh, Tucson and Sedona?
2: And Sedona. Yeah. Cause oh, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't know off the top of my uh, head. Uh, yeah. It's, no, no um, it's a few hours. Okay. Like, three or okay. four hours. Okay. You know? Gotcha.
4: Yeah. I. Um, I did some – I've been working with algae in the past, mm. um, and there's some algae grow ponds in Sedona um, that are used for biofuels. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and so they, they're they coupled to a wastewater treatment facility in that area. Mm. And so I'm a little bit familiar with Soda, Sedona, um, and the reason they use Arizona is because of the amount of like light that it gets. Right. And obviously, you, the more light, the better for – Uh, growing algae and whatnot Um, yeah that makes sense yeah so i was just kind of curious
2: um gosh it's been years since i've been to sedona um Uh, that's pretty far north of where tucson is tucson is about 40 minutes from the mexico border so about as far south as you can get right and sedona must be all
0: the way at the like north uh,
2: yeah arizona's kind of split in half north to south Mm -hmm. um the north part is very mountainous so you have a lot of Ponderosa pine forests and snowy winters and all that sort of thing, yeah.
1: The north part of Arizona, doesn't that border Colorado? It does, yeah. Okay, gotcha. A
2: little uh, geology here.
1: Mm, (laughs) I don't think that that's geology. Geography. Geography, Are you talking about rocks or something?
0: Uh, (laughs) No. uh, Yeah, I I was going to say two or Two or three hours away in Arizona time is a lot further of a distance than two or three hours in Washington.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. In, um,
0: in Washington, two hours will get you from here to Nia Bay, mm-hmm. which is uh, distance-wise not that far, or mm-hmm. from here to Seattle, which also is not that far of a, of a distance.
2: But. Yeah, for some reason it, um, it feels farther here than it does there. Right. Um mm-hmm. I think just because there's very little line of sight. Right. Yeah, yeah, single
0: uh, you know, single lane or like double lane lo- r- roads were
2: Yeah, and they're quite twisty and turny mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um something that kind of messes with my head is that I'm used to always seeing landmarks. In oh, Arizona, uh, there's never a point where you can't see any of the mountains. Right. Oh. But here like I'm going I'm driving well, on a tree. road. There's yeah. There's trees <laughs> on both sides and then sky. Right. So my brain can't figure out if I'm going uphill or downhill. Yeah. Because there's no landmarks to judge off of. Sure. Huh. Uh, is it
1: really that open down there? Like when you're driving oh, on the highways, yeah. is, is it really, really open?
2: Oh, you can see for 100 miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Never that, been down there. So. Yeah,
4: that's so. That's so bizarre. Being from here, where you, yeah, you can't see a hundred yards mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. it's, there's either fog or a mountain or a hill or a tree or something like. that. Yeah, it's you know? one of
2: those adjustments that you wouldn't expect. Sure. But it's extremely profound once you notice it. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, have you experienced any sort of uh, like hylophobia or like like fear of the forest at all?
2: Um. I would say at night it's a little creepy. Yeah. It Hilo feels noctopho- very closed in. Uh, Noctohylophobia.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, those spiders, you gotta watch out for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was clowns. <laughs> spider clowns? Anyway. Oh no. no, no, no. no. Oh no. No.
0: <laughs> um and our uh, our viewers just, just dropped. Yeah, everybody's gone. <laughs> you know. People listen to this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um it was definitely an adjustment coming from somewhere worth I don't know, the sky feels so much larger there, and up here you always feel kind of closed in, especially at night, which oh, is a little strange.
1: Yeah, sure. Totally. Have you spent much time on the eastern, central eastern part of Washington?
2: Mm, not much time. You're not missing out on I've much. I've driven through. <laughs> I think that area is beautiful, to be honest with you.
4: It well, is. It is from Arizona, I mean, you know. Yeah
1: I... <laughs> yeah, I
2: suppose I'm a little biased.
1: Yeah. Well, over there, it's, um, it's, it's a little more... It's a little more flat and mm. deserty than it is here, but at the same time, it is still it's still very hilly. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've spent a lot of time over there, like in college, and I can still say that I Arizona must be built different because when I'm when I'm over in Eastern Washington, I can I can't see a hundred miles ahead of me. The the highways are still and the freeways are still kind of weird shaped, mm-hmm. and they're still going over mountains and stuff. But um, landmarks I can definitely relate with because. Over there, you have like you know, between Yakima and Tri Cities, you have. I think it's the, um, it's by this town called Prosser. I think it's it's like I I am gonna butcher it, but it's like the Badger Mountains. Mm. Oh yeah, and a, a huge mountain range. Mm-hmm. Um, are there a lot of mountain ranges down there?
2: Um, yeah, depending on the area. Okay. So Tucson, where I am from, is kind of in a valley between a few different mountain ranges. Gotcha. Um. And then there's the Superstition Mountains to the north, which are around like the northeastern side of Phoenix. That's a
4: really cool name. Spooky name. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And that's
2: a beautiful area as well. Great for bird watching. Um, and then there's the Dragoon Mountains in the southeast of the state. That
0: that
1: is also, also a cool so name. Cool name. Gosh, wow. Man. I'm moving. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: and then there's the uh, Power Ranger laser mountain. Oh the my! Rest. Oh really? <laughs> hold, on,
1: hold
4: on! Hold on!
2: Hold
1: on! Wait a second. <laughs> True story.
2: Check the tapes. Look it up. <laughs> we're
1: hopping on. We're hopping on Google Earth right now. Um. So. So Griffin, do you um? I'm, we're definitely directing all these questions to you because you're the guest and I hope you're okay with that. Yeah,
4: we're like really drilling you here, so but you're rolling with <laughs> the punches, so it's good, it's good.
2: Yeah, I try. Yeah, it's very
1: good. Um, what do you know about musical instruments? Do you play much music?
2: Um, I do, yeah. I found some rocks in my backyard, so I started banging them together. <laughs> Clinking them together. Sweet. Yeah, it's a good time. Wow. Solid. Um
4: are they, wait are, is there anything special about these rocks or are they just like generic? Or are well, they like, I like thought like they crystals, were quite man?
2: generic, but now, <laughs> now they've taken on more of a special sort of more of an personality underground type. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They've started drinking IPAs and growing neck beards. <laughs> 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 wow, that's fantastic!
1: For real though, do you do you have any experience playing any instruments other than stones?
2: Yeah. So. Um, at my, at my elementary school, every year we would have a different musical instrument. So we started out with like recorder and flute in the early grades and then moved up to stringed instruments in fourth grade. Um, so I've always had an interest in music um, and always been singing in school and at home, done all that kind of stuff. Um, played drums in high school, although that was quite a while ago now. Um, been playing guitar on and off for the last five years or so. I'm trying to teach myself guitar And then um, played harmonica Found my dad's old harmonica In a box in our house And so I've been picking that up as well Very nice Do you know what the harmonica is tuned to? I believe it is C major?
1: Oh, I see. Okay. I, really. see. So, I Yeah, I, I've heard that the C major is a very common harmonica <laughs> tuning scale yeah. from a certain someone in this room.
4: Yeah. Very common scale in general, too.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's nice, though. It's difficult when you have other instruments, though. Cause right.
4: Not... Right. Because it seems like most things are in that kind of range, so it might be hard to like pick it out. I don't know. I'm speaking out yeah. of turn.
2: I prefer, I think it's E tuning in my guitar. E flat, something Uh, like that. Ah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't exactly mesh very well with the harmonica. Mm -hmm. It's a tremolo harmonica as well, so it has like the dual tone sort of sound to it. Oh, really? Interesting. Which is great, but it doesn't really work as a blues harp. It's more for like ballads and Irish folk music. What do you know about
0: harmonicas, Cody? Well, I have a a blues harp here.
1: Oh, right over there. Right there, wow.
0: This one's tuned in uh the G scale and this one is by Honer um you know pretty good harmonica it's uh 10 hole diatonic
2: okay
1: so, it's yeah. a nice nice looking unit we have Very right nice. there. Yep. give it do you want to give us a little just a little taste oh,
4: heavens a, no i could just a just a little rip just come on come on it's going to sound so a, good over the microphone a, a yeah give it note. a little get, go back move back from the microphone just here a single note Fantastic. Thank you. Brilliant. Wow. Encore. Encore! Yeah. Yeah. Um, So on the topic of music, I think we have a band of
0: the day. Week. Band Band of of the the week. week. Excuse me. Yep. First one, uh, which is Neutral Milk Hotel. Total Um, hipster garbage. uh, Uh, Excuse me.
4: Wonderful. I don't know that much about them, but I wouldn't call them garbage. I um, mean, lots of people like it.
1: Well, Cody, what's the most prominent album that's been released by the. They were a Tennessee. No, they were some kind of um, Southeastern band. I want to. Oh, man. Louisiana. It's Louisiana. Right. Um, what's the most prominent album that everyone knows of?
0: In the Airplane, Over the Sea.
1: Yeah. Really, really good stuff. It's a. Uh, if you ever go on. Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Um, if you ever go on the website 4chan slash music, um oh, their their um, their cover photo is um, is in relation. You mean the infamous hacker 4chan? The infamous hacker 4chan <laughs> right. with the pay Talking fraud. about
2: 4chan, is the door still locked? <laughs> 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 um, well, oh,
1: anyway, anyway, my FBI agent's gonna come after me. <laughs> Strictly slash music. Um, are their, um, their. What, I don't know what you'd call that, like their cover photo for their page is that album cover, or it's related to that album cover. So wow. So very prominent album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that Griffin is familiar with some of their older work.
2: Yeah, I am. That was their 2006 album, wasn't it?
1: It was, I think it was late, late 90s. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, and, I was way off. Um, <laughs> severely. Uh, I like um, On Avery Island better. They're, I think that's their first album. That was their That was their first
1: actual album. Yeah. Which is really good. There's some good tracks off of that, like Garden Head. Oh, is, I love that song. Garden yep. Head's really, really weird song. They're a really weird band, but uh, Garden Head is is definitely like one of the more banger songs off the album. Definitely. And there were a few others that are um a little more, a little less listenable. A lot of noise type. Right, right. Kind
0: uh, of um a little like uh, abstract. A little abrasive. Right.
2: Ooh. And There's ones that are more conventional that are just lyrically sort of uncomfortable to listen to as well. A lot of
1: Mm. lot of uncomfortable lyrics from Nuc milk Hotel.
2: Um what I really like about that album is the way that it builds over the course of the runtime. Uh, I think structurally that album is really where it shines. Um Mm. it starts out with you more lyrically focused, fairly standard, like pop motifs, I guess I would call it. And then moves further into noise till at the near the end of the album you just have walls and walls of sound coming out of you at you you know
1: yeah huh. it's it's definitely i never even i never really thought of it that way but listening to it the entire way through it's a it's a big build-up and um some of the songs they really run into the other songs really nicely it kind of yeah. it has that quality where a lot of albums kind of roll through like a story um from beginning to end and that's definitely an album to listen to from beginning to end um not that you would, not that you would throw some on Avery Island tracks on your on your shuffle playlist. No,
2: they don't really work as individual songs, I don't think.
1: They no. don't work great. Gardenhead works okay, but still, yeah. Anyway, that was our, I guess that was our band of the week. Band yeah. of the week, Nutramilk Hotel. Hotel. Wow.
0: Wow. Thank Nutramack you. Nutramilk Hotel. Yeah, go check them out. Yeah, for sure. Um, what are we? Oh, go okay.
1: ahead. Go ahead. Ryan. I'm gonna go ahead. Um, Griffin, do you, what do you think about pineapple on pizza? Oh,
4: oh, coming all at right. him with the hard question.
1: Yeah, wow. now, now be, we're getting to the heart of the This issues. is going to be severely okay. a, um, a dividing question Our, b- between it's us. Put, it's not going to be if we all agree.
4: Oh, put your boxing gloves away, though. I know. And, your uh, your, your pitchforks and put, yeah, torches. And your side pieces and your, uh, I, I mean, weapons,
1: not Didn't bring women. any of those. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're referring <laughs> yeah. to. Weapons not this time. Not women. <laughs>
2: or what do, you, what do you think Let, let's hear your pineapple opinion. on pizza i'm gonna have to disappoint you in that i'm not uh not very militant either way to be honest with you really i don't prefer it mm. um i think i don't really have a sweet tooth in general gotcha. and sweet on top of savory salty pizza just doesn't fit to me personally sure. okay however i think we can all agree that Pizza is wonderful and the world is better off for its existence and I think we can enjoy it even if it does have pineapple. Yeah.
1: Wow. wow. That's very non militant. Yeah. That's that's know. wow, I am enlightened.
4: I feel no strong way. How does that drama quote? quote? <laughs> right.
1: I right. feel no strong opinion either way. <laughs> yeah, something all right. I know
2: is my gut says maybe. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: <it's> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. I,
1: I don't um, I don't mind it. I'm kinda with you. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's all right. At times, you know, um, from Westside Pizza, the, the, the uh, tropical heat. Oh,
0: my gosh. It's wonderful.
1: Is it quality? Yeah. Have you had that yet, Griffin? I have not. Well, mm, one no. day. You have well, to on, check it out.
2: Sadly lacking on the local pizza scene it's, so uh, far. jalapenos mm-hmm. and jalapenos. pepperonis. Yeah. Jalapenos,
0: yeah. Pepperoni. Yeah. And uh, pineapples. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? I think that's... There's also tomatoes. Tomatoes. Okay. Right. And it is superb. Yep. Stupendous. It's Sounds so good.
4: Awesome. As far as local pizza, what we've got like Westside, which is relative. It's a chain. They've got like a few locations. They had one in
1: Yakima that was awesome. Oh really? Okay. They have a few scattered about, um, but they're relatively local to, at least to
4: Washington, the Northwest area. Yeah. Yes, right. Gotcha.
1: Um, and then we have straight.
4: Slice. Straight slice in Port Angeles. That's yep, downtown. the only one I know. Of. Oh, and well, haven't been there yet. There's one other one that it's a bar and they also do pizza i think Uh, that's right um right down on the right down on the pier in that area right down on the water oh yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah um i know what you're talking about don't know the name we'll get it we'll get it later um yeah so
4: check those definitely out yeah i gotta Wait. rep a
2: uh, seaback pizza if you guys are ever in port orchard oh okay. yeah, yeah they take some um, minced garlic and they just spread it oh. over the entire surface underneath oh. the cheese oh. yeah. wow yeah. no, no. Right. Un- the whole, oh, the whole yes. pizza is like a half inch thick of garlic no wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm not joking okay
4: well my girlfriend italian i'll have to take her over there check it out okay yeah. <laughs> that's a
2: weird name but i'm glad that uh with someone, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's her name. <laughs> <laughs> no,
4: Cus- Cusinelli's the last name on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there we go. That's Italian, you say?
2: Y- um, Slightly,
0: pretty Italian. So uh, the the pizza place that you were thinking of, Brady, is is uh, Bar Hop. Bar yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They have pizza and beer, and they've they've got a nice selection of beer. Yeah. And we used to have a Godfather's oh, here in Port Angeles yeah. uh, about Back a decade ago, many moons ago. Uh, yeah, so if anyone from Godfathers is listening, we want you back.
1: Even though now is not the best time to open a restaurant. Hmm. Yeah, COVID times, but...
2: Yeah. Good time to open a morgue. Ooh! <laughs> oh, that, the, uh, the, that was dark! Was that too far? I'm sorry. No, that was, <laughs> that was beautiful. Wow. <laughs> you can get it in editing.
4: That was ima- that was impressive, impressive, impressive execution on that <laughs> trip, right? no, no hesitation. Yeah, right during the lull, that was...
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Um <laughs> seems like a really good time to open a self sufficient farm actually.
2: Well, yeah, that's
3: very As a true. matter of
2: fact,
0: yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Um that was one thing that uh sort of sped up our process of finding property was um the situation in a large city in Arizona. Right. Going in and seeing the shelves bare of food mm. was a moment where I realized, okay, I, I gotta do this now. Yeah. Right, there's sure. there's no no waiting. Yeah. Yeah, So, how
4: was it moving like across multiple state, many states uh, during COVID? That seems like a difficult thing to do in normal times, but also during COVID, a little bit more challenging as well.
2: Uh, well, in one word, it was expensive. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of it. I wish that I had just left there, but. yeah, so this is actually the second time my wife and I have moved across country. Uh, we lived up here in Chemicum for a while. Um, oh, yeah. Gotcha. And then yeah. we moved down to Arizona and lived there together for three years um, before we moved back up here. Um, yeah, it was difficult. We took a U-Haul up first, um, and then I went back and got uh, the house in order and got the rest of our stuff, and then we shipped the rest of it, and I drove up by myself. Um... COVID didn't come into it as much. Gotcha. The borders were open when I came up here. Okay, sure. um, Although they closed shortly after.
4: Oh, so you hit the timing just right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, The difficult part was there was um, a very serious collision on the I-90. So traffic was backed up for about 10 miles. It was right near La Grande, Oregon, Mm -hmm. which is a town of, I don't know, 10,000 people maybe. I-90 or I-5? It was I-90. Yeah. It was um, east-west. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I did the um, the inland route. Went up through Nevada. Gotcha. Yeah. In no, that's,
4: that's something else we can get into is the I ninety versus just I ninety. I know that like. I like, thought
1: I ninety was just in Washington. No,
4: no. What I'm saying is like using the word the before the highway mm-hmm. i that's that's kind of a regional thing so i think if you in certain areas if you use the before the name of the highway people will like what are you they'll go into a have you experienced <laughs> like that did. at all <laughs> have you experienced that at uh, all? no not
2: really okay. if it's a regional thing it must be west versus east because yeah, it's similar kind of, in uh, yeah. similar in arizona
4: yeah gotcha yeah um i know a lot of people from here. Sometimes some some people say the I five, and some people just say I five, and so I don't know. It's just you, seeing if you had any insight in that. Mm, no, yeah, gotta gotcha.
2: disappoint you on that one.
1: <laughs> no worries. Washington, though, what can you say about? Pe- <laughs> oh man, people oh, from Lord. up here.
2: So, my wife to this day claims she does not have an accent, which mm-hmm. we all know is completely untrue. <laughs> um, I mean, everyone thinks they don't have an accent to some degree, right? Yeah. Uh, Tucson is basically the california accent unfortunately sure. we get a lot of people coming from california to live in our city and ruin it but um oh don't even get me started Ouch. on that don't even get me started here. on that we got a lot of people in california mm-hmm. we got to be careful about what we say now okay
4: yeah well those californians yeah just oh, saying I, I've california i talked i've talked to some local folks out here and from across the spectrum um some people that i really didn't expect to uh, have this opinion, but I was like, hey, uh, you wanna like chip in on a billboard and say like, you know, Californians, like, you know, check out. Um and they wow. were yeah, they were they were into
0: it. I was surprised. Not 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 to hate on our California But there audience. is a reason why property is so expensive up here. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and it's it as a property owner, you know, it's not bad for me, really. No, like, not for yeah, you. Yeah. But... Have
0: you tried getting
2: property uh recently? <laughs>
4: i mean yeah anyway anyway
2: just to be clear this is not because of any political reasons why i dislike the california migration. oh no
4: no no it's not it's not necessarily political reasons it's just
2: it's I, the I driving th- for me gotcha the driving yeah yeah it I, follows emma uh, it's awful every people in tucson used to be okay drivers and now there's some of the worst you'll ever find wow Fascinating. it's yeah. it's terrifying man
4: yeah, I don't I don't necessarily mean political reasons either. I just mean people moving from a city to a rur- rural area mm-hmm. like especially an agricultural area mm-hmm. and not understanding like the not understanding like what makes squim squim. Mm-hmm. Um and so I heard uh, an instance of you know so- someone has cows and they're trying to it's it's time for them to become meat right and their neighbors were not having it they were like you can't do that this is oh, this boy. is an abomination and you know and so i think it's <laughs> it's just those kind of uh interactions where people that are you know from here and they're like that's their livelihood yeah. um and they're interacting with people who just have they don't have a lot of experience with that and so it yeah if yeah. you buy a
0: house next to a cow farm next to a beef farm farm or, expect to see it especially up here they don't uh take them away they don't bake them away toys <laughs> right out in the field
4: boom yeah and, and i understand that the like the aesthetics of that aren't particularly pleasing but you know it,
2: well certainly it's disagreeable from a philo- philosophical standpoint sure but right, yeah you know, I think part of that is because of the separation in this country between rural and urban areas, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the food system. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most totally people agree. have never seen a farm in their entire lives. They have no idea what goes on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really sad. We've lost a lot of people's connection with their food, which I know is a little bit of a cliche at this point, but I think it's a really serious issue.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, you know, living on a farm and having that kind of connection where I've, I've, I personally have raised something from the time it was a little baby animal to the time it's ready to go in a freezer. Mm-hmm. And it, you do, you do have a connection with that animal. Definitely. And it's, uh, it's almost, it's almost in a way kind of spiritual.
2: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some conflicting emotions. Yeah, for sure. Um, I haven't even gotten to the processing point of mm-hmm. my animals yet. Sure. I know it's going to be very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one, I'm raising rabbits at the moment for meat. Mm-hmm. And there was one who had an eye infection as a baby. And yeah. so I was out there every morning and every evening picking it up and holding it and cleaning mm-hmm. out its mm-hmm. eye and putting ointment on it. Mm-hmm. And after that, I, I told my wife, "You're gonna have to do this one. I I can't do this one. It's yeah, mm-hmm. gonna be yeah. tough." Yeah.
4: So, uh, in that vein, are you planning on doing the that processing, the it, it, putting it in kind words yourself, more or less?
2: Um. Yeah. At okay. least certainly for the smaller livestock. Sure. Right. Um And we're gonna be getting to that point in probably three or four weeks. Gotcha. Um, from okay. now. Um it's definitely something that I struggle with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was a vegetarian actually for 12 years when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I got to a point after working on farms where I just sort of accepted that death is a natural part of how we continue our own lives. And the best thing to do is not to shy away from that, but to understand it and be a part of the entire process because um basically the style of farming i'm trying to do is based in permaculture mm, and mm-hmm. animals right. are a very important part of any ecosystem and so if you want to have a complete nutrient loop you need to have animals and most animals on a farm are not good for much except meat
4: right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i really appreciate that like nuanced perspective um it's that's kind of refreshing to hear and uh especially i, I especially appreciate that um, like you're taking you're thinking of it from an ethical standpoint mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's a really important that's a really important part that we've also lost from um, our connection to food uh, and and so I think if more people had that connection to their to their food and to the livestock that are be that are being raised um, for their freezer we would have you know less uh, unethical farms that are definitely. mistreating their animals. and yeah. Well, if
2: the walls of factory farms were transparent, no one would ever buy meat again. Yeah, right. sure. Um, I mean, I've definitely bought unethically raised meat in the past because yeah. it's so affordable. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I think we are very lucky in the time that we're living. Um, people are becoming much, much more conscious of mm-hmm. the differences between different styles of farming and how important it is to support local food producers and to keep your food from traveling thousands and thousands of miles.
4: Yeah, yeah. Not to... All right, all right. We're getting heavy. We're getting heavy. Let's bring all it right. back. Yeah. Let's bring it back.
3: <laughs>
1: because you've been pretty involved with 4-H like your entire life. Aren't you currently dealing with the financial side of 4-H for your local...
4: Yeah, Um. so I am uh recently became the treasurer for the Pacific Northwest Junior Livestock Auction um and so we're we're trying what we're trying to do is engage youth um with with farm production agricultural production and um developing uh developing good habits and uh basically like We're trying to teach youth where their food comes from and also get them, uh, you know, kind of a paycheck at the end. So um, we've got some really good we've got some really good um, bidders and uh, buyers in the process that um, they understand that, you know, these youth are are learning a lot about um, where their meat comes from, how to raise how to raise animals, um, in an ethical way and how to, how to treat those animals. Um, and you know, a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, youth are, they have farms that are just, you know, one or two animals. They're just raising one steer, a couple hogs or so. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's just, I think it's a really kind of, it's a special thing where we're, we're attempting to teach a lot of uh values to them because there's a lot of values that i think being raised on a farm that you learn from you you know this is an animal that you have to feed every day mm-hmm. you have to water them every day you can't neglect them if they get sick you have to care for them um and so i think there's a lot of value in that and so that's something uh that we're trying to instill in them as well so that yeah. sounds
2: great i'm yeah. really glad that you're doing that work that sounds incredibly influential
4: yeah. It's, uh,
1: thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Cody. Cody. How does <laughs> yeah. it feel being we'll stop making out over here? D- yeah. I know. God. Jeez, guys, get a room. How does it? How does it feel being the the youngest ones here, and the most the most full? Because these guys are a little oh, yeah. little tiny bit older.
4: Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm 23. I'm
1: only I'm only a couple years older than you guys. <laughs> oh.
2: Yeah. Talk to me when your hairline looks like this. All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I. I I'm not judging anyone, but um, Griffin, what do you think about generational? Because you're technically a millennial. That's
2: correct. Yeah, yeah, I'm part of the youngest millennials. Yeah,
4: I'm I'm along with the Gen Z out here. We're Zoomers.
1: Yeah, yep. Zoomers. Yep. We're we're a different breed for sure. What do, you, what do you think about what, what do you notice with with us that you don't notice with with your generation because my my sister my older sister that I that I grew up with she's a half- sister she's a, she's about she's 30 mm-hmm. um, so and she is full-on millennial um right I mean it's there there's very slight differences but there's also very significant differences
4: very much remembers 9/11 whereas I don't know about you guys but I like i was uh born in 97 yeah i don't remember i i don't remember 911 that well. Right. whereas i'm sure griffin you remember well, i it definitely remember very it well.
2: um my parents prevented me from watching it on tv which was probably for the best yeah i yes. never i
4: didn't see footage of that until i was much older and it, it it's still watching some of it's yeah it is horrifying it's terrifying yeah, yeah. it's anyway
2: um i definitely was fully aware for the um, the war on terror and the continuation of that in the early 2000s or right. Iraq etc yeah not to get too political uh, again
1: yeah right we won't but what do you what do you what do you notice about the the younger group that's different from because you're still very young yeah but what do you what do you notice that's different from us you um, know Gen Z versus versus your generation are there anything mm-hmm. anything worth mentioning
2: Well, it's very interesting Um, I don't I don't spend very much time with people of my generation. Um, Oh, interesting. Okay. Most of the people I hang out with are either your age or Gen X or older.
1: Right. Gen X being like for, you know, mid thirties to 50.
2: Um, a little older than that now, I think. But yeah. Okay. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah. I think millennials is a strange generation because we're very transitional from both a cultural and a technological standpoint. Yeah. Right. Um, so I grew up watching VHSs and listening to CDs. Right. And you guys see one of those, and you're like, "Where are the apps?" <laughs> well,
1: you know, for a for a little bit when we were real young, it, maybe. Right. You know, yeah.
4: I still remember VHSs, but yeah, it was uh, how I think how I've
0: heard it is that um, poor kids that grew up in the early 2000s had the same thing as the you know. Normal kids
2: in the nineties mm-hmm. interesting, huh being poor is not normal, just for the record right, right
1: right right of course right 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 that that was a joke <laughs> 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 but I mean any no i mean what I've noticed not to get into it, but um th- the generation Z and the millennials are very different in a socio political stance. Mm. Um not to get into it we won't get too far into it um but it seems that they have different ideas socially um than each other, even though there is an overlap where, where they were born in a, in kind of the same the same time frame
2: yeah it's, Do you have an interesting. On that? it's interesting that you bring that up I've definitely seen multiple different sides of that um honestly, I feel that my generation i mean we grew up during the 2008 financial crisis. And now we're seeing another recession, like a a once-in-a-lifetime recession, and I'm not even 30. (laughs) Um, So I think there's generally a lot of disillusionment um, in our political and financial systems. Not to go into detail, um, but I think generally there's a lot more, I suppose you would say, anti-authoritarian sentiment in my generation sure. than I think yeah. previous generations had. Yeah. Understandable. Part of that is because of the development of the internet while we were growing up mm. or at least the proliferation of the internet. That played a big part in it. I I think so. Um, it's very odd going from information being in books to information being totally accessible anywhere.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I remember when I was, when I was six, I was probably six or seven years old, little kid. hmm Um, maybe yeah, right around there. Uh, YouTube was up and running and I I was watching YouTube videos Mm -hmm. and YouTube is still up and running to this day when I was like seven years old. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy to me. It's, it's been around that long. And back then it had a million videos, not a million, but it had a lot of videos. So the, the information agent, how quick it came on, not that I have a lot of other standpoint because I I grew up in it. I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. native to it. Yeah. Um, when when you were about that age, what was what was going on? Was it mostly still? The, oh, the internet was, was probably very in its infancy.
2: Uh, yeah, it was dial up uh, oh. exclusively. I still remember the sound. You yeah. could not be on the phone and on the internet at the same time. Um, if you were lucky, you could play like uh, multiplayer Minesweeper online. <laughs> um, wow, fascinating! I know.
4: <laughs> wait, uh, wait! 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 Repeat that, multiplayer Minesweeper? I just pulled that out of the Okay, yeah. I was like, how would that even work? I was going work? with it. How would that I even wasn't, work? I wasn't from then. Yeah. I was just I was like, all right, that sounded
1: fun. I think that is a
2: million-dollar idea, though, just to be honest with you. We can
1: bring that it up. That yeah. would be interesting. You yeah.
4: have one person that plants the bombs, and then one person <laughs> <laughs> has to find the bombs. Well, why
2: does it have to be competitive multiplayer?
1: Oh wow! Cooperative, Cooperative multiplayer. Uh, yeah, that's... yeah.
2: You both plant the bombs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, love
4: it.
0: Million dollar
4: idea. <laughs>
2: I retroactively patent that, by the way.
0: Oh, it's your IP. You
1: said
4: yeah. it
0: here. You okay. said it here. Yeah, you're here first. <laughs> uh, yeah, I barely remember. When we couldn't use the phone and the internet at the same time, but I, you know, I still. Do I remember, remember that, that. Barely, it, it affected
4: barely, me barely. like once in my life. Yeah. But you know, that was definitely a thing. Yeah, that think, was weird.
0: Like my mom yelling at me or something like that
2: when I uh, she was trying to do her taxes and mm-hmm. I wanted to make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I grew up using Windows ninety five was the operating system. Oh, wow. On oh, a big yeah. CRT Smokes. monitor with the old fashioned like clickety clack keyboards. Oh, oh yeah. man, you must have had floppy disks too. Yeah, right. floppy disks, the rubber oh, mouse wheels. Gosh. We had everything. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I still I, remember when the first smartphone came out. How about that? Oh man. Yeah. Well, was the
1: that, iPhone one. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. That was revolutionary. It's just called honestly. iPhone then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so that's so crazy. it it, anyway yeah um getting back a little bit into farming okay so you said that it's kind of difficult to break into the uh like the break into the farming scene Mm -hmm. and like find find a market right um so in a previous episode we had talked about the seattle freeze Mm -hmm. um so is that it sounds like that's something that you've kind of experienced or like, what's, what's your opinion on that? Yeah. Well,
2: it's definitely a real thing. Yeah. I'll say that for sure. Um, I don't know how much it plays into farming or businesses of that nature. Um, but I will say that I have experienced it and not, not only from people from Seattle. I think it is something that is inherent to the social culture of Western Washington. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, not to go too far back into the uh history archives here but um that was pretty much how I stopped talking to a lot of my friends from college sure like um we would i would text them we would hang out i'd text them a couple weeks later we would hang out and i said to myself you know what what would happen if i just stopped texting them would mm-hmm. we ever hang out again mm-hmm. <laughs> and we did not yeah so that um that's how i personally experienced it In Arizona, it can be similar, um, but I don't know how to describe it. It's just a very different vibe socially. Sure. Um, It's much more laid back down there, but in a different way than it is here. Mm -hmm. Um, Down there is laid back as in, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. We'll hang out whenever. Whereas up here, it's like, oh, I'm not going to put the energy into spending time with you. Right. Sort of. idea.
4: I I get it's almost like... It's almost like a frontier vibe where everyone's kind of out still still like the the idea is like I got to fend for myself mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I It's so hard to put a finger on and fi- like, well, what's what's the source of it? You know, I think yeah. it's kind of hard to nail down. But I
2: think yeah. people here def- definitely have a very independent spirit for the most part. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
4: Um yeah, I don't know. I wonder if that like also plays into some of the entrepreneurship that happens. Like you've got Microsoft and Amazon and mm-hmm. if that's people like that have decided I just need to like I just need to forge my own way, but I don't know, I don't know. I'm just
1: I'm just throwing ideas out there. <laughs> that's a great observation. I, I would have never made that connection had you had you not put it that way. There it seems like there are a lot of people that are from from this kind of area that have that have done something like that where they kind of really, you know, they're not super worried about what other people think of them and they kind of they kind of buckle down and and do their own thing. Um that being a great example. Um like yeah. what you, what you just made.
0: Like Bill Gates. Yeah. Bill Gates. Thanks. Thanks, Cody. <laughs> That's exactly. Great. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's I my, don't know. My two cents into this topic.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I and that might be that might be a product I don't know, that might be a product of the culture like as far as It could be something where okay, well, you've got someone that isn't can't find a friend group for Mm -hmm. themselves, and Mm -hmm. so as a result of that, they they spend a lot of time thinking about themselves and reflecting. And I can, in some ways, that can kind of drive you crazy if you're just thinking about yeah, that's
2: definitely true,
4: right? Um, But for certain individuals, I can see how that could also drive you towards. Uh, producing something so i don't know i don't know just again just throwing ideas out there and seeing what seeing what stands up
2: yeah you know. it's difficult to describe but it definitely exists yeah gotcha yeah.
4: yeah i thanks for uh thanks for uh validating our previous episode
1: yeah and you're welcome Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes that was very good that's what we needed to hear um, I'll, I'll Venmo you later. Okay, yeah, sounds yeah, good. Perfect. You guys are so nice to <laughs> yeah. each other. But...
2: I, I'm being paid for this, right? Like that's the only oh. reason I'm here.
1: Well, I mean, these you... beers aren't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dude, you already plugged your. Pu- Come
4: on, you already plugged your stuff. Like, what else right. can you ask of us? Well, I mean, you can I mean, take her we're, we're in a bed. We're in a bedroom right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Give me what another. is what is your
1: long term? So you're you're talking about your sustainable farm um idea that you had mm-hmm. what is your what is your long-term goal of that and w- when i say long-term goal i don't mean like um like you know a little bit down the road i, I want right. to have this set up but like
4: what year plan are we talking five-year plan 10-year plan 20-year plan what are we talking about?
3: like around? a well, lifetime plan yeah
1: it depends it depends i mean yearly you know goals are are a strange thing um a great a great quote by um elon musk which i'm <sighs> I'm, a, I'm kind of an economist. great, great philosopher of our generation. Well, he says he says interesting things. He's, um, <laughs> you got that right. He's kind of a he's a, he's a he's like a quiet, nose to the grindstone kind of guy. that it, When he has to talk, he talks. Invest in Bitcoin. He's anyway. definitely a great something of I our think generation. he just put like, didn't Tesla just put one, one and a half billion dollars into Bitcoin?
4: Something outrageous.
1: I know Bitcoin spiked to like 44K uh, or something.
2: The international non-fiat currency. Yeah.
4: yeah. Absolutely. Which, uh, that we could have a whole podcast just on Bitcoin.
2: Well, it's I'm kinda- sure people much more educated than us have done that to death i'm sure
1: yeah well every time i look at it i'm like hmm you know it's really expensive and then every time i look at it like a few months later it's like wow i should have invested back then yeah Yeah. it's a fomo if you're missing out that's a big thing with that um but as uh, elon musk quoted he says if you work twice as many hours a week as your peers you'll get twice as much done unless you're doing something wrong So, um, how you probably spend a lot of time, like after working on the weekends on what you do, Mm -hmm. um, like, like on your farm. And, um, so that being said, like a five-year goal or a 10-year goal can be very arbitrary to how hard you actually work at it. Um, sometimes you can achieve things quicker than you expected, or it can take more time than you expected. And also goals can be very vague when you, when you think about it long-term because sometimes, you know, circumstances that you can't affect change. And um, y- your goals have to follow suit,
4: right? Uh, so I, I would say, in that vein, like you have to have strong short-term goals, but also, also long-term goals in order to get to where you want.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so Griffin, if you if you don't mind getting into detail, um, in a few years from now, or whenever, whenever it comes about, depending on how hard you push at it, um, what are you looking to have established for yourself? and um what is it going to produce for you what is it going to produce for the community is it going to s- completely by itself sustain you um you know go as far into detail as you want but what do you what do you think what do you have in mind
2: well, i think um complete self-sustainability is uh a bit of a pipe dream at least for now um my my goal and i can't put a year on this necessarily but my goal probably within the next 10 years um is going to be to produce at least 50% of the food that we eat, that my family eats. Um, there's a lot of things that I like to eat that you can't grow or raise here. Exactly. Right. So, yeah.
1: Convenience, you know?
2: Yeah. Basically, my ultimate goal is to have a system that will provide food resiliency for myself and my descendants. Mm-hmm. So if the grocery store is out of food, you're going to be okay. And, I mean, going back to COVID, we saw this kind of thing happen already. And Not to be too alarmist, but I think that the ability to raise your own food is a skill that has been and always will be valuable. Yeah. And I think that people really easily lose sight of the very basic needs for survival. Sure, yeah. And I think that having your own food-producing system is... A really, really, really important goal.
1: I'm, I'm huge on traditionalism mm-hmm. and, you know, if everything else fails you, you know, if you, if your smartphone doesn't work and all these, all these modern day creature comforts you have don't work, um, what do you really have in your life that can still keep you alive and sustain you mm-hmm. and, you know, keep you, keep your mind in the right place and keep you healthy. And I think that that's, that's an incredibly noble goal to have because not everyone has that goal. And it's, it's different among different people.
2: Well, I don't know about sugarcoating it, about uh, being noble necessarily. <laughs> um, but I mean, not to put too fine a to point on it, most people don't have the opportunity to that's, grow their own food. That's Absolutely. That's certainly true. Access to land is extremely difficult right. for almost everyone right, right now. And it's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, the just the amount of land that can be farmed is shrinking because of... Uh, different practices that people use in order to produce cash crops. Right. And so I feel incredibly lucky to even have the opportunity p- to pursue a goal like that. Um and another goal of mine is to educate my future children in that lifestyle and raise them in a way where they understand what provides their life. What can they do to uh, have tasty food to eat to live in an environment that is friendly to their to their lives.
1: Totally. Um another thing another big big thing too with with what you're saying with self-sustainability is is being handy and mm-hmm. being able to being able to fix things that that break or to make your own tools. Um, I know that that me and Cody, like when we were in high school, we had a big thing on like um, I made a lot of like axe handles. That was my thing for a while. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, like taking an old like tool and, and bringing it back to life and that kind of thing. Or like, you know, we I think that there's going to be a big swing back on traditionalism, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the way that everything is becoming and how especially with um, like the coronavirus outbreak, how how much we realized we really had a had a big crutch that was the grocery store mm-hmm. and i'm having every
4: and the supply chain as well the like supply pe- chain, people are people relying on things that they couldn't control yeah
1: exactly something that you just expect to be there when you need it and um and when it's not what are you gonna do um so i think a, a big thing about that too is is spending time and, and like getting good at making things work with limited resources yeah definitely and um, that's where I, I like that you do like the woodworking thing mm-hmm. because you know that's you can build an axe or you can build a you can you can make anything you need to or fix anything you need to really with that to the to an extent yeah with, with that mindset and um yeah I really like I really like the woodworking thing because yeah, that's I'm um I have about... I have it passed with that and it's a very it's a very noble thing yeah. but traditionalism I mean would you say that you fall under a category of someone who would you would you call yourself a traditionalist?
2: Um, Not in such certain terms. Really? I would say that there are many things about tradition that I value very highly, um, but I come at it from the angle of a pragmatist. Mm-hmm. Traditions are only useful if they provide for you. A tradition, like a social tradition that maybe is now outmoded, is not of any use.
1: Sure. Totally with you on that.
2: Um, basically, it generally comes down to hands on traditionalism, like diY what can you use that you don't have to depend on external sources for?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, just having just having a basic skill set of of stuff to get you by if if things are rough mm-hmm. I, th- I think is I think is really, really important and um it it just helps to be it helps to have that for sure
2: yeah I would say socially and culturally, I'm definitely not a traditionalist. Really? Sure. Yeah.
1: yeah.
4: I think uh a, a lot of sp- going back to the millennial thing. I think a lot of millennials would uh group themselves as well in that so mm-hmm. that that's not too surprising. And I think a lot of zoomers as well like um <laughs> like I know Ryan you're saying that you're a tra- you're a traditionalist, but it seems in a similar vein It's a broad term. Yeah, and it, it seems like it's in a similar vein to what Griffin is saying where it's a lot of it is more on uh, depending on yourself and
1: uh, anyway, tra- yeah. traditional traditions can be traced to a lot of negative things that aren't good right um, right yeah oh, there's are, we, have a, history, right? history, we exactly. have a dark history dark history we
4: have we have a dark history and i think that's something that we have to recognize and kind of uh like we we learn we have to learn from the mistakes of others so we don't respect uh, and the people that came before us so so that we don't repeat those same mistakes um
1: and i think so... that's one
2: of the great tragedies of history is that the mistakes are consistently repeated <laughs>
1: that is true very consistently yeah yeah
2: um i would say that traditionalism as a philosophy is a little arbitrary sure because everyone has their own version of the good old days quote unquote and so i mean if you go back far enough it's traditional to live in a tribal family group society
1: right and you know it's it is very that's a great way to put it saying traditionalism and trying to make it like a a broad term um is is not the best way to do it because there are so many branches of what you could consider traditionalist and Mm -hmm. you don't want to include the negative parts that have been proven to not be beneficial for everyone as a whole as part of being traditionalist um that's you can't argue with that
4: I also think that that's one of the benefits of having, uh, like, a long-form podcast like this, where we're talking, like, we're we're getting to know Griffin here as as a person, um, rather than as a tweet, you know, hmm. um. So, like, like I think that that is something that's very valuable, um, and I think that that's something like we're in the age where podcasts are rising, and people are like craving that kind of, um, craving that kind of personality and something that's not just a sound bite where they can really get to know someone. Um, and so I think that that's valuable as well, where we're, we're realizing slowly, but also kind of quickly, like if you look at how the rise and the rise of social media and the kind of backlash towards it as well that's happening kind of as we as we speak mm-hmm. um yeah i i guess i kind of lost my thread there but well
2: i think um this is especially true of millennials but i think the uh connecting thread between all of those is the search for authenticity yes yes i think that's yes. what drives the hipster culture and drives the local food culture and drives Podcasts and music nowadays. Mm-hmm. As people are very, a lot of people are very tired of this sort of carefully curated media that is spoon fed to you. They want something that feels more honest. Yeah, and totally agree. As a side effect, people who create very carefully curated media have latched onto that and are now creating faux, authentic programs. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Bandwagon. Yeah. yeah.
4: And I think that. The, yeah, this is something that we talked about on a previous podcast as well. The that along the lines of faux authentic, where people are getting paid to just drop the name of a company, mm-hmm. um, and I think that our hashtag Elon Musk, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I think that as I'm not getting paid, but yeah, as the internet grows and people get more acquainted with it. Uh, it's easier to spot that uh, unauthentic uh, mm-hmm. behavior, and people are uh, like, I don't know about you guys, but um, when I watch a YouTube video and there's an ad before it, I always skip the ad. Do, has anyone ever not clicked skip ad? You know, if they give you the option, yeah, exactly. I'll all day, exactly. No. Like you're 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 not you're not hitting skip ad, even if you're watching a uh, video where for the first twenty seconds they're uh they're having an advertisement for uh I don't know mobile, mobile game. strike <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um
2: oh that's my favorite game you should all try it <laughs>
4: yeah <laughs> and sponsor us um but but yeah I think people are, people are lashing out against that inauthentic and moving towards. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, impaired upstairs. Yeah.
1: Speaking of authenticity, um, because um, what I've noticed about Griffin that I've that I've really liked about Griffin since 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 I met him very recently, is um, he's got like the primest taste in music, and all the music that he showed me is very. I'm like, wow, I haven't heard of them before, mm-hmm. and I listen to it, and it's like it's r- decent for the most part. Um, I guess. You. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll, yeah, it's almost like he's got a decent taste in, in, a, in, in a few things. So, um, I don't know, I don't know what we're running for, for time right now, but, um, let's, let's talk about music for a little bit. What, sure. what are the bands that you're currently into? I know we were talking about Sonic Youth a little bit earlier.
2: Yeah. Um, well, firstly, firstly, um, I got to ask where, where is everyone at as far as the Beatles? Cause I know there's a lot of different opinions out there and, <laughs> I think a lot of modern music conversations have to start with where everyone is on that topic.
0: Uh, you know, I'm Eggman. Yeah, you're All the right. walrus. Yeah. I
1: when I was when I was pr- very young, when I was probably oh man, how old are you in like fifth and sixth grade? Ten, mm-hmm. eleven years old. Yeah, 12? 12. 12. Yeah. I was like so 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 into the Beatles, mm-hmm. um, like crazy crazy into them, and um i I still definitely appreciate their music. I don't have any Beatles songs on my current playlist slash shuffle list that I listen to mm-hmm. but um the what they did for for music is um you can't argue with it they're very influential um especially I think they're one of the big they're one of the first big British bands to come and actually um mingle their culture into the United states yeah the
2: british invasion the
1: British invasion but um no the beatles it's the you know they they have their own thing, but they're hard to argue with how influential they were.
2: Right. There's a lot of different takes that I've heard. Yeah.
1: Big fan of the Beatles. Like the Beatles. Yeah. What songs of the Beatles do you like, Cody?
2: Um, the Yellow Submarine. It's a good one.
1: That's definitely a a bop oh, Of course. Yeah.
2: Oh, triv- fun trivia fact. Um, did you know that their voices in the Yellow Submarine movie are not actually the Beatles? Have you have you seen that movie, Cody? No, I haven't seen the movie. Oh my
1: gosh, that movie is crazy. Yep. Hey Brady, um, have you seen the yellow submarine movie? The the uh, Beatles movie. It's like an animated thing from the sixties or seventies. The Beatles had an animated movie.
4: Oh, it was
1: insane.
4: Total trip. That sounds know? terrifying. It's just
2: a ninety minute acid trip essentially. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> uh, nothing uh, makes sense.
4: Yellow submarine, okay. Yeah. yeah it's that a makes great sense.
2: time if you're like eight. <laughs> oh, no. I mean yeah, I, like an, kids movie, I still kinda. enjoy it now, but it's more nostalgia than anything else. It's been a long time since I'm, since
1: I've seen that really crazy movie though. Yeah, um, no, Beatles are good. It's hard to argue with. Well, what other what other bands do you listen to currently?
2: Um, well, Sonic Youth, like you mentioned, um, Evol is probably my favorite album by them. Um, '85, I believe, and then Sister, 1986. Um, That's something that they share with Neutral Milk Hotel is like the structural um, sort of nature of their early stuff. Um, I mean, there's a handful of more pop type songs on those albums that can be listened to um, by themselves. But generally, the album as a whole is the way to listen to it. What do you think
1: about Daydream Nation? Because that's the uh, that's the mainstream Sonic Youth album, if you can call it such Mm -hmm. a thing
2: um i like daydream nation a lot that's probably that's their one album on heard. my list i'll be honest with you; i've not listened okay. to the others i'd say for me it would be evil sister dirty from 1992 and then um, daydream nation oh wow yeah. i'll have to check out the others then yeah um i really like daydream nation i think it's definitely a good example of them coming into their own as their as their style. Um, it's kind of a departure from a lot of the less accessible No Wave stuff, like on Goo or on their self-title album, um, which was the first one that they produced.
1: Man, I got a lot to look into.
2: Yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend the self-title unless you're a hardcore into everything else that they've done. Gotcha. Um, that was before it was the four core members. Um, so they're still... It's a little rocky. They're still figuring out everything out. Okay. We've yeah. also
1: talked about Pixies, mm-hmm. which... um Pixies is a sweet band. A lot of people have heard of um that one song off surfer Rosa. They're what's that called? Where Where's is my, my mind Where yeah. is my mind?
2: Everybody knows that from where Fight Club. Where is my, my mind? mind. Yep. Um yeah, surfer Rosa is actually not on my top 3 from them. Um although there are a lot of good songs and then that one of course is kind of timeless. Um Yeah. I mean Debaser really popular when it came out and maybe even a little overrated
1: Debaser was doolittle
2: wasn't it doolittle yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah
1: yeah that's that's a that's a killer album we were listening to uh hey off of that album yeah that's a good um, one hey it's totally a good one we were listening to that a couple podcasts ago and that mm-hmm. was a that's that's a great song yeah. Well, what else? What else do you like? I, I think that we'll. Um, what do you think, Brady? Are we? Are we getting close to to wrapping this one up? Yeah, we we can
4: uh, hit hit a couple more topics if you want. I have a
0: couple questions. Yeah. Oh, okay so Cody shoot it. She's here. We yeah. uh, you know, mentioned earlier some nicknames. Let's, oh boy. Oh let's my gosh, a, we almost let's,
2: go oh into. Oh man, into we the names. can't names.
1: let you go Completely without that. Completely
0: forgot about the nicknames for
2: Gryffindor. Uh, so I've never been a nickname guy. I've never sought <laughs> yeah. yeah. out. To have a nickname, but yeah, sure. Without fail, everyone that I meet from every different group will have at least two nicknames for me. Of course. Um, so there's Griff is the obvious one, because two syllables is too long. Apparently, <laughs> too, too much for my brain. D-
4: does mm-hmm. anyone remember Griff from uh, SSX? Uh, what, what was that? Oh, SSX three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The snowboarding snowboarding game? game. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh the, the, man. That's a uh, deep cut. That's really. Probably not a lot of people wow. know that. Yeah. But
0: game keep game, uh I think it was on like
4: PlayStation and Xbox. It's like one of the characters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh that was that the me kid. Back, the y- blonde Yeah, kid? he had blonde, like kind of beaver hair. <laughs> he really good. He's like actually <laughs> a really good snowboarder. Yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah, that anyway, sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and then Gryffindor, of course. Yes,
0: I am a huge harry potter fan if you look on yeah. the shelf behind you you can see all of my harry potter paraphernalia oh minus my the wands that are all sitting over there uh oh you've got quite the collection yeah love
2: harry potter i see that yeah Very i nice. uh i remember a time before harry potter believe it or not was there ever yeah, such a thing there was you wouldn't have liked it
4: Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Cody would have. I don't know what he would have spent his time on, like Lord of the Rings or something. I don't know. Social interaction. Yeah. Who knows?
2: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's pretty much an obligatory one. And then what else have I had? G Unit, or nice. Tenacious G, G which Tenacious I don't really feel G? like I give off what? that energy. Tenacious G? Yeah. I, but what
1: do you guys think about that band? Some.
4: It's almost uh, like an antonym. You know. It's yeah. like. It's like. Uh, Like, like really giant guys that are called tiny. You Uh know, yeah, Uh it's in that same vein.
1: I can see that. Okay. Yeah. Tenacious. tenacious Maybe that's an explanation for that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) One, I've I've always wanted to ask you this, Hmm. G spot.
2: Uh, Yeah, we're gonna have to get that in editing. (laughs) 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 No, never had that one. Um, Oh, really? Had some other colorful uh, nicknames based on my last name, but uh, I'll leave those to your imagination for now. Okay, I can only
1: I can only imagine.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh oh. And and for for the audience, what's your last name, if you don't mind?
2: My last name is redacted. Okay. Okay, that's fine. It's it. a fine. nice
4: last name. Uh, wow. C- the CIA even they they get us even. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they got us before we even posted
2: it. <laughs> you got to watch out for those five G chips in the vaccine. Okay. Yeah. You got that
4: oh, right. Yeah. You got that right. I don't think five Gs made its way out here yet, so we're
0: safe. But right. you know, well, you know. Apparently it's in my arm now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that
2: explains why I've got such great cell reception. (laughs) (laughs)
0: My ping non-existent. Mm -hmm. So um, we went over names, and we went over that you are doing like farming Mm -hmm. and trying to become self-sufficient. And that you own rabbits. Is there any other animals that you have or want to have?
2: Um, yeah, as far as farm animals, I've got lots of pets, but they don't really do much except be cute. So. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier you had some cats. Yes, I've got a number of cats that is so large that I can't even remember how many there are. Got it. Got it. Um, so pretty short on animals at the moment as far as the farm. only have one layer chicken. Um, okay. I had two, but one of them decided... That she was going to figure out how to get out of her cage. And then uh, we found some feathers in the morning. Uh, so no. yeah, you mentioned the uh, off
0: air. There's some eagles around. Yeah,
2: there's some eagles and hawks and uh-huh. many, Red many tails. other creatures. Red Saw a bobcat the other day, actually. Oh, yeah. of course. Those will get him. Yep. So she was not long for this world, unfortunately. Got it.
4: Actually, so that's kind of an interesting, um, interesting thing. Uh, Like coyotes are considered more or less a pest Mm -hmm. um, and it's open range on coyotes all year round. Is that something that you have considered at all or like uh, as far as protecting livestock or are you more of like kind of the mindset that, well, we're we have to accept that we're part of nature and that, you know, these animals are looking for food as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I guess I'm curious uh, your perspective on that.
2: Well, for one, um, there's no my neighborhood is a no firearm discharge area, gotcha. which is okay. kind of rare for this area but it kind of is, yeah, yeah, there's a big sign, and all my neighbors are old, so <laughs> sure, but beyond that, um, I don't necessarily have an ethical problem with using lethal force against coyotes to drive them off i mm-hmm. just I just don't think it'll work. Yeah, um, sure. Like, I guess you could say that's more of the pragmatist attitude is I don't think killing them will do any good at all. Yeah, There'll gotcha. just be more. Yeah, yeah. Um, You'd be better off spending your energy figuring out how to deter them sure. or protect your animals from them than you ever would be hunting them. Sure, yeah. Right,
4: yeah. Yeah, I was just curious on your perspective on that because I know there's a very wide range of opinions where some some farmers in the area are like, well, they've got their thirty thirty locked and loaded mm-hmm. at all times. And they're aiming down Looking for side. an excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I wish, uh, I wish somebody would, you know? Um, and then, <laughs> then the, and then there's the other, there's the other perspective where they're like, you know, like really just, we're part of nature and we need to accept that these animals. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, yeah. I was just c- curious. Well, in that Yeah. Regard. I
2: think predator hunting in general is not something that I'm a big fan of. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I just feel that we are in a situation where there's predators around that want to eat our animals. They've mm-hmm. always been there. They always will be there. So you're just going to have to learn how to deal with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, Brady, I think you were uh, kind of calling me out specifically there because... Um, <laughs> well, no, I wasn't calling you out. I don't know if we need to get into this. We had it some was... coyotes chasing coyotes. Chasing calves over at my grandparents place and so i took the 3030 over and you know i shot and made a made some noise right yeah uh and seemed to scare them off for a little bit uh but i think a b- big thing about the guns thing is the noise scares them off for for a while or at least for right. that moment and then they go and find you know the neighbors house for
3: yeah,
4: yeah, I, that's kind of what Griffin was getting into as far as deterrent. It's just, it, right. in some regard, you're just like trying to get him out of the area. Yeah, actually, like, go actually back up killing to the a, mountains.
2: Yeah, th- there will be more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you'd be better served with a high fence and a good livestock dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Right, like defense versus aggression. Yeah, and sure. it seems like that's a great way to put it because defense is definitely your. You're gonna have better luck with that if you just solve the problem to begin with, rather right. than than um trying to take care of the adversity rather and also than also just...
2: your your time and your labor is value like that's a commodity especially on a farm where you have to be on pretty much 24 7 right yeah so actively pursuing a problem means that you're actively ignoring all the other problems that mm. you have great yeah. point
4: and i don't know if you're ever intending to get into larger livestock as well but you know if that's something that you're getting into like your labor becomes even more of uh, it's it becomes more of a s- focal point because, hmm. you know, you've got a calf coming and calves don't get born in the middle of the day. They're always born in the middle of the night. Right. Yeah. And uh, sometimes if, you got to put the chain around the leg pull. Yeah. save the mama, Ooh. save the baby. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes you're up watching like just waiting for the mom to like finally say okay it's time Mm -hmm. and a lot of times you can kind of time it like you especially if you get an eye for it and you're like watching like you know okay the mom's starting to lick her sides and flick her tail and there's things you can watch for that give you an idea and a lot of times it happens on a full moon for for whatever reason i'm weird (laughs) Uh, i've heard that it it might
0: be because there's like more light yeah, so it's uh like better protection for the for the cow to to um be able to see the surroundings.
4: Yeah, that's just some like
1: old right
4: farmers right. like yeah, <laughs> who who knows? Um, she called us farm boys upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that yeah, what you're saying like that com- that comes into it. You when you're living on a farm. Your time has to be spent like paying attention to these animals, going back to what we were saying earlier, like especially if you got a nine to five, you you get done with work and then you got to come home and pay attention. You got like you don't get a day off um, if you want to go on vacation. You have to get someone out here to yeah. pay attention to your animals. You know, so it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I'm not even doing very extensive sure. farm stuff right now. Yeah. And, you know, I get up at 630 to get ready for work and do morning chores. And then mm-hmm. I don't sit down till seven o'clock if I'm lucky. So. Right. Yeah. You know, you have to be really careful about spreading yourself too thin. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely something that I need to work on a little bit more.
4: <laughs> yeah. that And that's something that Cody and I have talked about a little bit before in earlier podcasts where, you know, we're talking about like, like, we were very involved with the farm and 4-H and um, go to school. You – we come back from school – or go to school, we go to sports or whatever, and then we come back home and we've got cow chores to deal with. And uh, then we've got – by that time, it's 8 o'clock and it's time to eat dinner and go to bed. Finish the homework. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. finish the homework and go to bed. Um, so, yeah, especially, like, I don't think people really – Uh, understand or respect the amount of time that goes into farming and just keeping things alive like uh, my mom's always said uh, you know sheep especially sheep they're looking they're born looking for a place to die Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know they're like they don't they can't fend for themselves they're like babies it's like you've got you've got all these little babies that don't know any better and you've got to go out there and you've got to make sure they stay alive because especially when you're talking about a farm yeah. like that can yeah. be a portion of your livelihood so
2: chicken and rabbits are the same way yeah yeah Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. oh especially Yeah.
1: yeah. especially you, rabbits
2: you guys are hardcore I mean
0: rabbits love to die
4: yeah you shout at them too loud and their heart gets all into a flutter and <laughs> it's,
1: it's yeah. bad, seriously they're, they're that fragile huh well, they
4: can be. Yeah. They
2: can be. Sometimes they just keel over for no reason. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: it's a lot of time and energy to, well.
2: It is. It's very frustrating. Yeah. I actually had three of my young rabbits escape. I don't know if uh, I mentioned that already. We yeah. um, found two of them, but one of them is still wandering somewhere <laughs> in the trees. Yeah.
4: We've heard of cows getting out, too. And a lot of times cows kind of know where their home base is, but we've heard, you know, up in like Lost Mountain, they just get out they never really come back and yeah, they're yeah. either out there on the mountain somewhere or the cougar got to them or mm-hmm. you know who knows um i actually that i'm kind of curious like what so what's your do you have a coop for your chickens or a little enclosure yeah. or what's your what's your setup
2: well as i said it's just the one hen at the moment right um, right right and i've been haven't been able to do as much on the farm as I would like because we're also kind of trying to remodel the house that's on the property. It's got yeah. asbestos in the ceiling and oh, very no. poor insulation. and gotcha. Only the electrical heat from the 90s, which just costs an arm and a leg to run. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: Moving to wood
2: stove
4: or pellet, pellet stove. I pellet think. Stove, yeah. Yeah. pellet mm-hmm. stove. Yeah, that's pretty popular. So
2: we can have the heat turned up as high as we want and can't possibly spend more than five bucks a day yeah exactly it's a little bit better than 10
4: (laughs) totally totally
2: yeah um so right now it's it's very basic just um four t posts in the ground with walls and roof of chicken wire um made a door for it and then there's a little um hutch inside um i'm trying a new technique that i haven't used before um using chickens to process compost so i'll take take food scraps and leave them out there and it'll attract you know worms and slugs and so they'll scratch through the food scraps looking for the insects yeah there and you of go. course they get standard feed as well mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um hoping that that'll help uh, break down the compost as well as adding nitrogen from their feces to sort of enrich it a little bit
4: yeah i've heard that chicken chicken manure is one of the best fertilizers you can use like it's across very hot
2: very high nitrogen yeah. um but it's so high in nitrogen that you cannot put it directly on plants oh. or they'll get nutrient burn. So
4: do you have to like almost compost the, the, the manure before you put it on a yeah, crop? Yeah, it's got to be the...
2: composted or you have to... What some people do is they have chicken tractors, so they have movable pens right. yeah, yeah, with yeah. fences yeah. around them. Mm-hmm. So they leave them out for a few days. They eat and defecate all over the ground mm-hmm. and then... Um, you just wait for the grass and other animals to process it a little bit and then maybe next season you start to rotate your crops in there. Gotcha. You yeah. You do lose a lot of nitrogen to the air and to the grass that's already there. Right. But...
4: Well, and converting, I don't know, uh, I assume you know this, but mm-hmm. uh, like converting nitrogen from the air to get it into the soil, that's like an expensive process. Like oh, a metabolic. Very yeah, it's a metabolic, yeah. expensive metabolic process and uh, there's not It's not as easy, like like a lot of times you have to have bacteria that are Mm -hmm. interfacing with the with the plants in order to get that nitrogen drawn into the soil. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, um, modern nitrogen fertilizer like ammonia is um, converted from atmospheric nitrogen into. Plant available nitrogen through the Haber Bosch process, Yeah. which is buddy. incredibly energy intensive. Yes, it because is because nitrogen in the atmosphere, as I'm sure you know, is a triple bond. Mm-hmm. Not to get too arcane, but the more bonds, the get more energy it. is required. I love it. I love it. it <laughs> so, uh, Ryan and I have no idea what you get. Yeah,
4: but I'm about. a chemist, We're just so spectating. I love it. All
2: right, <laughs> Cliff Notes in I think it was like the 30s or 40s, mm-hmm. um, and people. I, I think oh, it was.
4: A, I think it was actually like. Uh, a, uh, was it th- earlier than that? No, I think it was a... Sci- I was just going to say it was a scientist that was not necessarily on the right side of mm. the war that kind of, like, figured that whole process out. Yeah. And we don't need to necessarily delve into that, but, you know, like... Uh, people are gray. <laughs> I'm just... You know, right. It, it,
2: anyway, go ahead. Anyway, regardless of the uh, posi- or, possible uh, Nazi original... <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> origination yeah. of... Yeah. Chemical fertilizer. Go ahead. It's another reason why you shouldn't use it, by the way. (laughs) Sure. Um, It's incredibly energy intensive. causes a lot of um, greenhouse gases to produce it. And um, it's something that bacteria have already figured out. Um, There are bacteria that live inside of the roots of plants that Mm -hmm. convert atmospheric nitrogen into plant-available nitrogen. Right, yeah. And then they get carbohydrates and water in return from the plant. Right, yeah. So... Basically, I mentioned permaculture, but I didn't go into depth. Basically, what it comes down to is using each player in an ecosystem in order to reduce your own input and increase the output of the system. Yeah. So, everywhere, nature has already figured out a niche for every single organism. Mm -hmm. And you just have to figure out how to design a system which also produces food from those players.
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like... I don't think you, did you specifically, you haven't specifically mentioned crop
2: rotation yet, have you? Um, so there's a couple of different attitudes that I have towards crop rotation.
4: Okay, I'm curious. I've never heard like a negative aspect of crop rotation, so. Well, I, I think
2: it's, any kind of crop rotation is going to be more beneficial for the soil than consistent monocropping every year with chemical inputs. Um, What I'm trying to do is more perennial crop focused. Sure. So it's sort of like the food forest idea where you have your larger trees that produce food for decades, then you have smaller shrubs that tend to fix nitrogen, and then you have your your annual plants growing underneath them that only Mm -hmm. live for one season, Mm -hmm. but they help to increase the organic matter in the soil, which benefits the other overstory elements of the ecosystem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So it's not so much a rotation as um I guess more of a
4: just sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just it's sustainable. like a consistent
2: team right. with new players every year. Gotcha.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's I as as a chemist, I love that stuff. Just like thinking about how the specific chemicals are flowing between, you know, the atmosphere to the plant, to the soil. Right. And that's it, it's I'm not in uh, not quite as much of an egg guy um, but that's uh, yeah, that's it's super important and I think
0: it's one of the challenges that we're facing. Yeah. definitely yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you uh, what you guys were taught on uh, in regards to like forest ecology, mm-hmm. the uh, difference between like selective cuts and clear cuts and uh, in like
2: regards to the environment. Right. Beautiful question. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different opinions, Um, and I I learned a little bit about logging industry and about mainly it comes down to forest disturbances. So a disturbance in ecology is any event which changes um, the ecosystem either in a small way or a drastic change. So a forest fire, for example, is a drastic change. That's a large disturbance. right? And so that essentially restarts the process of what is called ecosystem succession. Mm -hmm. So in the succession process, you have your annual plants, your grasses, your weeds. They grow and start taking advantage of the new sunlight that is available uh, because they can't grow under a tree. Their thing is grow really fast, produce a lot of seeds. They're not very hardy necessarily. And so then you have the longer lived organisms like the shrubs or the understory plants. Mm-hmm. They can live underneath the weeds. They are more competitive. They're more tenacious. So gradually they start to take over the area. Right. And then... Better in like darker environments. Right. And then trees like cedars, for example, they grow very slowly. But part of that, their ability to grow slowly is that they can use a very small amount of light. And eventually right. they'll be the tallest thing around, and they'll block out everything else
0: yeah out out here if you just clear cut a forest, you're gonna get a western hemlock right. almost every time right, right. they yeah. they grow in you know really dry soil, really loamy soil uh dark light they're they're pretty good at they're really well rounded yeah they're quite hardy um so when I took a a class out here on forest ecology, they told us that um well, my my single instructor, not they, but uh, he told me that all different cuts are kind of important for uh, like ecological diversity, um, and clear cuts are like they'll they'll give you the highest uh, amount of diversity because it's sort of leveling the playing field, and and um, you know giving everything kind of an equal opportunity to to grow from there
2: that's definitely true um you know a large disturbance like a clear cut um provides the most opportunity for different plants to colonize the area right so you will have greater species diversity um i guess it depends on what your goals are it depends on yes. whether you think yeah. uh-huh. species diversity is a good goal to have. Right. 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 And
4: I think that's something that we've kind of, yeah, so I don't know if we've talked about this in the podcast, but that's something that. It might have been one of the precasts.
0: Yeah. But he he kind of prefaced this by saying that everything is important old growth, new growth, right. select cuts, clear cuts, and mm-hmm. like man made is all important for, um, you know, the ecological diversity and species diversity uh right. we can't just like clear-cut everything uh but we also you know it's sometimes it, it's good for the environment
2: um i don't know if i would put it in those terms exactly i think that the environment got along just fine before people started cut yes wood. exactly yeah and um, so
4: it's i think kind of not to cut in too much but um I think that we're stuck in a very difficult situation where people have decided before us, like before we came onto the scene, before we were even born, Mm -hmm. um, to some degree, it's like, it's our duty. It's our, uh, we need to like subdue the environment. Right. Um, And so people have started to almost like take take the environment into human hands Mm -hmm. and decide that like okay well we need to um we need to figure out how to make like we decide what's best for the environment sorry i'm getting a little bit um and so now we're at a point where we have disturbed what is the almost natural like quote-unquote natural process Mm -hmm. like basically the process that's without humans and that's been done through um like fighting forest fires where Mm -hmm. um forest fires are they are a natural part of the environment where you have a lightning strike and it burns through a certain Portion of the forest, right, and it burns up a lot of that undergrowth, and it allows for new growth, and and it prevents the it prevents the the fire from getting too hot because that undergrowth has been burned up,
2: right. It depends how much fuel is available yes. in the y- understory yeah, yeah. of the forest. Um, and so
4: now we're almost to the point where like we, without just letting everything do a complete reset, we have to figure out what's
2: "Quote unquote best from a human perspective, yes, right, right, exactly. best for us,
4: yeah." And so, i and it becomes an extremely difficult, again, uh, kind of above the level of this podcast. Mm-hmm. But it it becomes an issue where we like we have to, like you we were saying,
2: stewardship is just necessary.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I yeah, think. Yeah, um
2: yeah. There's no such thing as an objective goal for the environment. I think every goal that people have put on it is subjective. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think human stewardship is essentially the only option at this point. I think there are some areas that can be set aside to the best of our abilities. But in most places, that's just not realistic. Um, I think that humans taking part in a natural ecosystem is not unnatural Mm,
3: mm.
2: i think that the survival of a lot of species depends on human interaction but only because of what we've already done sure yeah um like there's a lot of natural processes that existed before humans like you mentioned forest fires there's a lot of human processes that have increased the number of forest fires and the frequency of forest fires And so I think that basically our only hope to maintain environments around the globe is human interaction and human stewardship. And the downfall of that is public policy, for one, um, individual decisions for another, but also just the scientific dogma at any given point. I mean, a hundred years ago, there were massive starvation of deer populations throughout the united states there are 30 million deer dead on the ground from starvation because we eliminated all the predators and so we depend on the science moving forward in order to give us a more and more nuanced view of what's actually happening and there's going to be mistakes there's going to be stumbling but ultimately it's the only way forward from here in my opinion wow
4: yeah thank you so much y'all are so smart thank you so much Uh, you put you crystallized a lot of the feelings that i've had um and i appreciate the nuance that you that you put forth and like that you're not just you're not you're thinking about what's best for the the environment and the the local environment and um I I really appreciate that because I think a lot of people come at it from uh, a predetermined idea of Mm -hmm. what they think is best. And it's a battle of ideas of like, okay, well, this person came at it from this idea and this person came at it from this idea and then they're fighting about it. And so I, I appreciate that you're you've taken like a very nuanced opinion on it and that, um, yeah, I, 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 It's just, it's great. It's great. Yeah, Thank you.
2: Not to uh, to get too uh, holier than thou as far as environmentalism. (laughs) I'm not trying to paint myself as an environmental warrior or anything like that. No, but. but I I think it's important that everyone is educated on the topic and is aware of it.
4: Yeah, 100%. And I don't think, I think part of what makes your, um, the way you portray it so great is that you're not taking a holier than thou approach. Um, and you're not slamming one group of people, and you're not slamming another group of people, and you're really trying to find like the uh, middle ground, the, there. Uh, n- right. and not even necessarily not even necessarily a middle ground because you have an opinion on it, and like you obviously you think right, 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 right. obviously the, you think that your opinion is like worth sharing and worth uh, you know, um, but that it's not it's not built on it's not built on. Uh, distaste for a group it's just built on like well this is what I think and this is what I value and so that I think that's really I appreciate that yeah
2: well I really try to avoid dogmatism in any of my viewpoints yeah I think that if you're unwilling to realize that your viewpoint is wrong then you should not have a viewpoint at all I mean Mm -hmm. you really need to be careful about how much store you put in any of your core beliefs
4: Yes. I totally. Yes. 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 You're not married. It, it seems like you're an individual that's not married to your beliefs. You have kind of like you have ideas and you're willing to um, you're willing to hear the facts out and kind of uh, adapt. Yeah.
2: Well, I try. I, I would say that my values are pretty concrete, but I'm always willing to see a different interpretation
4: sure yeah yeah i agree and i think that values values and how you like core values and how you carry out those values mm-hmm. in in the rest of the world aren't necessarily always the same definitely uh,
2: yeah i think yeah. almost everyone shares basically the same core values but there are vastly different interpretations on what that should look like in yeah practice. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly yeah
4: love awesome.
0: it enlightening yeah <laughs> i love it is there uh before we wrap up here is there anything anyone else? Brady got anything?
2: Ryan, um, Griffin? I,
4: I really want to make sure that Griffin has the opportunity to give his plugs again.
2: Yeah. Uh, yep. All right. Uh, Griffin Ag and Craft on Instagram, all lowercase, all one word: G R I F F I N A G A N D C R A F T. If you want to see updates about my homestead progress and my woodworking.
4: Well done. You spelled everything right, you and did. that's beautiful. How often How do, do you first? post?
1: Pretty frequently.
2: No, not as frequently as I'd like, just because there's not as much progress on the farm as I would like at the moment. But I've got some, some stuff on there that's worth looking at, I think. And I will gonna be working on that as the weather warms up. I'm gonna be outside more hopefully. So
1: yeah, the slow stages are all part of the fun. Yeah. They make yeah. the they make when things actually open up a lot more exciting. That's very true. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. very
2: true.
0: All right.
1: All right. Well awesome. Yeah. Griffin, thank right. you. Thank you so 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 much for being on. Yeah. Um super totally high quality first guest. Out of, oh, all the, all of all the first guests we could have had. Um, man, I thought I was a farm boy. <laughs> yeah,
0: So yeah. yeah, awesome. Go check us out on impairedupstairs.com uh, Hit up our contact if if you want to get in contact with us. If you like the show, if you don't like the show let us know. Uh, if you want to be a guest on uh, our show here uh, you can also let us know through the contact page. Info at in uh, info at impairedupstairs.com,
4: or you can visit the website impairedupstairs.com and we have a contact page. I think Griffin did that and it worked.
2: I did, pretty yeah. well. I we, ended up here, so I yeah. think it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I thought we pulled you off the street and gave you beer. No, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. We,
4: you did have a little bit of an inside track knowing Ryan and all right. that, but I wanted, uh, I wanted to make sure that you uh, reached out through the website just so mm-hmm. that we could make sure that everything was functioning. Yeah, and exactly. You, yeah, you didn't have a problem with it. and
2: um, yeah. yeah. It was convenient and streamlined. Oh, awesome.
0: That's we, what love we love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well,
2: thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yep. Yeah. And
0: one more time, that's uh, Griffin Egg and Craft on Instagram. Go check him out. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. That'll do it. Thank you.
1: And I think that uh, I think next week around this time, Cody. How about you do the outro?
0: Oh yeah. So uh, we'll be here next week around this time upstairs. Impaired.
3: Impaired.